BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper. And it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Think of that happiest thought, and let's fly away to Neverland. I will, of course, be your guide. I'm the head lost boy of Neverland. I am the Spider Pan, Jeremy. And how did I get to be known as the Spider Pan? Well, because every lost boy has to have a nickname. And you can choose a nickname for yourself by heading over to NeverlandPodcast.com. You also might notice that there aren't any lost girls. That's because girls are too clever, they don't get lost. But we do have Pixies, and Pixies get to choose a nickname for themselves as well. You just fill out a little form there on the website, and you pick out a nickname, and we'll announce it on the show, and we'll add you to the website. It's just something we do for fun. I'm not going to start spamming you or anything, so don't don't worry about any of that. But you can support us on Patreon if you like. If you go to Patreon and uh, look up Neverland Podcast, you'll find us. Patreon listeners don't have to hear ads in the middle of the show, and it does help me to keep making this show. We also do have a shop you can find on the website. You can find t-shirts. I have actually noticed there's some new popularity in the Unicorn P shirt, which if you don't understand that one, uh, golly, how long ago was it that Eric was at, at Animal Kingdom and stayed in a parking lot called Unicorn P, and we thought it was funny. We made a shirt based off of it. Apparently the shirt is pretty funny to some people, which is good because that's what our intention was. We wanted you to have a laugh and wanted to wear it. It only comes in yellow, okay? So... But this has been kind of an eventful week. This is a year for a lot of 30th anniversaries. This is the 30th anniversary of Disney's Hollywood Studios, also known as the Disney MGM Studios theme park. That has opened up 30 years ago. They had a little celebration going on down there. 
This is also 30 years of the 1989 Tim Burton-directed Batman, and Fathom Events hosted a showing over the weekend on Free Comic Book Day, May the 4th, which, of course, yes, May the 4th be with you. That was Star Wars Day and Free Comic Book Day, so that kept me very, very busy. Uh, And I did get out to go see Batman, and it's fun to see it on a big screen again. I haven't seen it on a big screen in 30 years. And... You get to with a larger screen. You get to see a little bit more of the actors' performances, and you can see the conflicted Bruce Wayne as he's you know stepping into the life of a vow he made to his parents, and he's becoming Batman, and he's avenging them for the rest of his life. And now he's got this conflict that he meets this girl, and when you know when he first you know has a date with Vicky Vale, and he's just basically keeping up a billionaire playboy lifestyle, and he keeps her distant from him at that dining room table. But you see him start to kind of like her, and then you have the scene where they're kind of in bed and he's lying there awake. You see a lot of things go through his face, and he's kind of like, what did I just do? I mean, I kind of like her, but I I can't get involved with people without with what I'm doing. And you see uh, there's moments of that conflict in his eyes when it comes to with with her, Uh, and even some conflict in her eyes at the end of the movie before Alfred appears to uh, escort her away at the end of the film, where she's like... What have I gotten myself into? Because he's always going to choose being Batman, really over being with me. And that's something he kind of states to her. You know, like, well, I'd like to make this work, but he's out there right now and I got to go to work. He's making his choice. This, no, I, this is, there's no one else that can do this and be Batman but me. You know, that kind of thing. You know, he spent his entire life becoming Batman. Uh, so that's that's definitely the direction his life was going. And he just he doesn't know where to place her, but he likes her, you know, so... It's a lot of that same conflict you see in Mask of the Phantasm, which I absolutely love that animated Batman movie. Uh, so, But it's great to watch this on a big screen, and I even noticed something weird that I had never paid attention to, but Vicki Vale in her apartment on the fireplace keeps a popcorn bowl. There's a bowl of popcorn. And uh, you kind of see it there, and you wonder, well, why is it there? Why is it on the fireplace? But it makes for a convenient thing when the Joker's over there and he smashes the, uh, the Alicia's mask in front of her. She grabs a bowl of popcorn there like it's going to protect her from the Joker. Uh, but the weird thing is when uh, Bruce Wayne comes back out and he's kind of grabbing that poker from the fireplace, you kind of see Vicki Vale's hand in the popcorn like she was thinking about eating some of it, like she's just watching how this is going to play out. Uh, but I, I think part of the reason also to have that popcorn bowl is it just makes a, you know, when they, when one of the thugs makes a grab on her after Bruce has been shot, and the popcorn kind of goes flying up into the air, and so it just makes a good visual, I suppose. <laughs> but I just realized that's kind of weird that she's keeping a popcorn bowl up on the mantle of the fireplace. Okay. <laughs> so you just go with it. So, uh, free comic book day, though, I, I consider it a, a big success. I got to grab a lot of free stuff that I haven't read. Also, I got to grab a few things that I'd missed out on. I'm almost completed a, a run of Superman that I've been grabbing. I'm missing, I think, issue four of the current run of Superman. And so I'm close to getting to actually sit and read through all of it to catch up where Jor-El is back and all that kind of thing. Uh, so I was doing that. I was grabbing some more issues of Amazing Spider-Man in this hunted storyline that they have going on. So I was able to pick up a few things. I've also now... you know, Have you seen the 90th anniversary of Mickey Mouse Funko Pops? They had a Mickey Mouse for some of the greatest Mickey Mouse cartoons. And I had already selected some Mickey Mouses from some of my favorites. Well, Pixie Heather went into a Joanne store looking for stuff. She wants to do some things with some of our pillows. And she saw that they had some Funko Pop Mickey Mouses and a bunch of other characters as well. But 
they were on sale, and so I go with her over back to Joanne's, and I I buy three more Mickey Mouse ones, and then I realize I'm only missing a couple. Uh, I and so I while I was out on Free Comic Book Day, I've completed my set because I've got a, a Mickey that comes with Minnie from a, for a Valentine's Day to a Toys R Us exclusive. I've got a just Disney Mickey Mouse, and he's numbered number one. I've got that one, and I found Kingdom Hearts versions of a. Uh, or a Kingdom Hearts version of Mickey Mouse. And then I've got, of course, all the 90 years of Mickey collected now. So I have this bunch of Mickey Mouse Funko Pops. And I've run out of shelf space to place them all in my home. So they're all kind of uh, standing on top of each other in this long tower on a shelf right next to my bed. And my wife's just like, that's going to just fall on your head one of these days. You're going to bump the wall or something. Uh, so I need to get a shelf. <laughs> so... I don't know where I'm going to put another shelf, but I need to get a shelf to put all my Mickey Mouse Funko Pops. Uh, but it's kind of fun to have them all. It's just it's very funny having this tower of them. Uh, so overall, I had a pretty good uh, time with Free Comic Book Day. You know, getting to see Batman again. Uh, of course, I've seen it so many times, but you know, getting to see it on a big screen again was just a lot of fun. Another um, big thing, though, I guess that we want to you know talk about the uh, Chewbacca or the Wookiee in the room uh, is the passing of Peter Mayhew that happened this week. And, you know, there's been a lot of very nice things said about him. Uh, and that's nice. I appreciate that. Uh, I, unfortunately, my memories of Peter Mayhew were tainted uh, at a Planet Comic Con here in Kansas City. And let me tell you this story. And this is this is how unfortunate it can be sometimes when we meet celebrities. You know, because I love, I love Chewbacca. And so this was an exciting thing. Um, but I went over. He was not in Celebrity Row on uh, Planet Comic Con. So he's out on the floor where you actually can get, you know, to him a little easier. And I, I asked his publicist or whoever, whose handler, if is it okay? I do a Disney podcast. We talk a lot of Star Wars. As, would I be able to interview him? And she said no. I said, well, that's okay. I still want to go through his line. And, and, and there wasn't a line, really, at the time. I still would like to go and meet him. I didn't have any money to buy any autographs or anything like that. I just kind of looked at you know, stuff and said, well, this is really neat. And I went and I shook his hand and said, thank you so much for being Chewbacca. I, I, that's, I really do love Chewbacca, and thank you for all that. You've meant a lot to me in my childhood. And I'm saying all these nice things and shaking his hand, and he won't even make eye contact with me. He had this very dismissive look on his face as he just kind of turns away like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever, you shake my hand. And he just sent me off on my way. Now, I noticed, though, people who paid money to take pictures with him, he's all smiles. But since I wasn't offering up any money, I got dismissed. And that's very unfortunate that sometimes that happens. But I, you know, I've tried to excuse it, like maybe he wasn't feeling well that day, because I know he'd had all kinds of arthritis in his legs and stuff, so he might not have been in a very great mood. Uh, whatever the reason, that has tainted my view of Peter Mayhew. That's that's the interaction I got with him. And, heck, I was even talking to, to Brian of The Real Brian Show uh, last night. We were playing some Blade and Soul, great free MMO, by the way. And uh, he, he, I was, we were talking about this, and he mentioned he got to meet uh, the actress who played Uhura on Star Trek. And he's a big Star Trek fan, and he was very excited, but he wasn't there to buy anything. And she kind of motioned him towards the autographed pictures and then crossed her arms and leaned away from him uh, and didn't look at him, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm here to sign autographs, not to shake hands and just meet people. And I know it's very possible for a celebrity to just be like, you know, hey, it's great to talk to you. 
Rob Paulson did that for me. I got a chance to just talk to him. I said, I, you know, I don't have any money to buy any assigned things. And I can't interview, but I, I, I appreciate talking to him. We talked about the new Ninja Turtle series and stuff, and I shared his thoughts on it. And I mean, that's there's no reason that if you become some level of famous that you can't have good reactions with, you know, good encounters with everybody, especially at a convention. You know, if they're not spending any money on you, just, hey, you know, appreciate that person enjoys your work. They like you for your work, you know, and you you just don't just dismiss them because you're not getting anything from them other than, you know, they just want like a, a little bit of your time and just to be able to talk to you and shake your hand and thank you for what you've meant to them. So I hope that if I ever achieve some level of fame and you know, who knows with my work in radio and maybe there's a little potential for some voice work for me, I'm kind of working my way around on that. Uh, but, you know, if I get some level where I'm at a convention and I'm some sort of famous-ish to, or, or it's important to somebody to meet me, I want to make sure that I, you know, I acknowledge that person and, and thank them for their time and thank them to come and say hello. And I'm glad that I get to do that when I host a panel and I have people, you know, when I offer to sign our notes on uh, on the research that, that I did for the last panel that people actually wanted it. I, I love that. And I hope I never lose that. If I become some huge big deal for some reason, uh, and you know somebody wants to come up and be able to say hello and shake my hand, I don't want to just blow them off. You know, if I have to be in a hurry and to go somewhere, I'll, I, I would want to be the one of those people that would be like, "Hey, walk with me if you can. I got to be over somewhere, but hey, walk with me." You know, I want to be that type of person, like Margaret Carey was. Margaret Carey was so sweet to me, and I got to interview her, and she even remembered me after her panel and said hello and came over to me and talked to me some more. You know, that's that's the impression that I want to leave with people if I've ever achieved that. I'm probably not going to get, like, a, a big name. That's, that's Who knows? Maybe I will be, as far as podcasting goes, to you I may be a big name. I don't know. But if I ever get to meet you and if I don't if I don't treat you the right way and, and show some interest in the fact that you came up to be able to talk to me because you appreciate this show and what I do, uh, I will have failed you. Let me just say that now, and I will apologize if I ever fail anybody. So far, I don't think I have. Maybe somebody thinks I, I have. Of course, if I've failed somebody by now, they probably already quit listening to me. But, you know, that's unfortunately the, the memory that's going to stick with me of Peter Mayhew. But I'm still going to love him as Chewbacca, and I still love him for what he has done. But I just wish my meeting with him uh, could have been better. Now, I do have some regular content that I want to get to today. We do have a trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog which I'm going to go ahead and share the audio and discuss my thoughts of it. And then we have a great author, Stephen Silverman. And I think he mentions how many books he's written. He's written a lot of books. I mean, he's written for uh, magazines, newspapers. Uh, he was there at Shanghai Disney when it opened. But he's got a new book that's coming out on the 7th, Tuesday of this week, The Amusement Park. And it's got a long extra title <laughs> that we'll talk about. Uh, and I'll make sure I get some links to be able to post it up there so you can pre-order it or order it on uh, various websites that he wasn't sure he was allowed to mention. But I think we can mention where to find it. But I can at least put a link up for you on the website if you go to the show notes. Uh, I'm very interested in this book because it's I, I always learn stuff when I have these authors on. It's I have a great time talking to these different authors because they do all this research, they learn all these things, and they come on and they share a little bit of what they learned and then the promise of all kinds of new information that could be really exciting to, to read about if you're interested in such a thing. And I suspect if you're a Disney fan, you have an interest in amusement and theme parks. So I think you're going to like this book. We talk a little bit about Walt and how he did things. and It's a great conversation, and that's coming up. But first, let's go ahead and take a visit to the trailer park.
go fast. Twenty minutes ago, an energy surge knocked out power across the entire Pacific Northwest. This needs someone who can figure out exactly what we're dealing with. You're not suggesting who I think you're suggesting. We have no choice. What the? Are you in charge here? Yes, I am. No! Nope. I'm wrong. Wait. I'm in charge. Allow me to clarify. In a sequentially ranked hierarchy based on level of critical importance, the disparity between us is too vast to quantify. Agent Stone? The doctor thinks you're basic. Listen, pal, I don't know if you realize who... I'm sorry, Major. What was your name? Benny. Nobody cares! SFPD! Uh... Meow? Ah, oh, come on. Okay, pal, I want answers. Basically, it looks like I'm gonna have to save your planet. Oh, is that all you got? No, but thank you for asking. Uh-oh. Whatever this creature is, our job is to secure it, neutralize it, see what makes it tick. Nine million steps today. Stay in there and be quiet. How much longer? I can't breathe in here. Do you have your child in that bag? No. I mean, yes, it's a child, but it's not mine. It's not your child. It smells like body spray in an old ham sandwich. Now, this trailer and the look of Sonic has gotten a lot of flack. I have seen where people have, you know, on the internet have redesigned Sonic. And what they've done with Sonic is, instead of two eyes, they basically gave him one eye with two pupils. If you think about this, because the way he looks on, you know, in games and in a cartoon, you know, he's got that typical cartoon where you've got this brow that kind of bends down and almost an angry look. But the two whites of his eyes are joined together almost as one eye. You really can't do that in a movie. It would not look right. It because what do they have just one giant eye that takes up his entire head? You know, so of course they had to separate his eyes and make him a little smaller. They want this to be a little bit real, more realistic. So I wish people would get off of that. You know, plus the fact that we're talking about a blue talking hedgehog that is like three foot tall and runs at supersonic speeds for crying out loud. Realism is, you know, let's forget it, okay, you know, a little bit, but also suspend your disbelief a little bit, you know, to where it's got to look a certain way in the movie, but for crying out loud, it's a blue hedgehog, you know, get over it. I think this movie, it looks just kind of goofy and dumb enough to where it's going to be just mindless fun and therefore possibly worth watching just to have a good time and let go of all your crazy issues you might have that he doesn't look right or whatever, and just go and have fun with it. And I think you could enjoy this movie. I think I'm going to go just because, you know, it's going to be fun. It's sort of like that old Super Mario Brothers movie. It's it's not a great movie. But it's it's kind of stupid fun. And you can kind of have a little fun with it if you let yourself just go with it and, and just have some fun. Because, you know, it's... 
it's not great, but it's fun. And I think this is what Sonic is going to be. It's probably not going to be this great, you know, wonderful movie. But you know what? You might just have some fun with it. So give it a chance. Go check it out. And if you just don't want to see it, then just don't see it. But quit complaining on the internet. Just just don't go then. If you're not happy with what you're seeing, then just don't go. Go play the games and have fun with them. You know, that's okay. But, uh, you know, that's all I really wanted to say about that movie. Let's go ahead and jump into the interview where I'm going to be joined by our old buddy, Lost Boy Eric, which, you know, we'll, he'll be in and out a lot here over the next month. Uh, he's in the process of getting into a new home, and so he's going to be very busy, and so uh, I'm going to, when I can get him on and he can be a part of the show, that's fine, and if when he can't, then we'll just let him take care of stuff. So once he gets his life all sorted out, then he'll be back as a regular, and uh, I'm sure you all are missing him, but he'll be with us here in just a couple seconds as we start this interview, and I don't introduce Eric because I didn't know if I wouldn't have him on before, and you know, but you know Eric, but he'll be there. So anyway, so none of my blabbering let's just get on to a great interview to disney and beyond all right we have a special guest this week uh we here in neverland we love to have authors on there because they know stuff because they've done all kinds of research and they learn a lot of different things and they write books where we get to learn stuff and then we have them on the show to talk about the books and we learn even more stuff so uh, this is this is fun, and this is a book I just found out about uh, like a week ago. Uh, actually, looking at y'all remember we had Chris Lucas on, and his book is now released. The it was a top ten Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, he was mentioning this book that he had just gotten it and he was enjoying it. Uh, well, I guess the book hasn't officially released yet, but we have uh, Stephen Silverman on here with a book uh, called Amusement Park, if I remember correctly. The Amusement Park. The Amusement Park. 900 years of thrills and spills and the dreamers and schemers who built them. Wow. I know it's a mouthful, but just yeah. call it The Amusement Park. The Amusement Park. But <laughs> and I, that's really nice of Chris Lucas. I had no idea. That's really – he's a nice, nice guy. So that, yeah. I, thank you. That tickles me no end. Yeah, we had fun and talking to, to him about tickled. his book, too. Yeah, so. yeah that's, his is a very good book as well. I haven't got a chance to read it yet. I need to get a copy of that one. Of course, it would just add on to the stack of other stuff. I'm 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 slowly still working through the Wisdom of Walt books, even though we've had uh, that author on like twice now. <laughs> Doctor Barnes is awesome, oh. uh, and I'm halfway through uh, Terry Whelan's book, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I'm having a hard time finding time to read everything. <laughs> no, I know you have to say. Well, take a long plane the flight. That That's when like, I get it done. <laughs> Me as well. Me as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I'm still learning to balance my time with that. You know, now that I'm no longer a student and I'm now got a work schedule, and so I'm still figuring life out. So, <laughs> so I've when got is a few this? Years on you, and I'm still trying to figure life out. But <laughs> <laughs> talk about Neverland. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so when does the book officially release? One week from today, May seventh. May 7th. Okay, so one week yeah, from the day we're recording. It's in the bookstores, but they're not even allowed to put it on the shelves yet. And and what, I'm not allowed to suggest one retailer over another, but there's a certain one that's named after a river in South America. Uh, <laughs> it's not denial. <laughs> they promised delivery on publication day. Awesome. Excellent. So so nobody's seen it. Just a few friends, and one just emailed me, and he really made my day. He said, Stephen, you have brought low culture to its highest point. <laughs> 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 so, 
but it is about the amusement park, and there is a great deal of Disney in it. But to show you how comprehensive this really long book is, and there are illustrations on every page, Walt doesn't really show up until page 350. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot went on before he showed up. And mm-hmm. he borrowed, he took really took the best from everything that had, you know, uh, was a predecessor of Disneyland, which I grew up with because I'm originally from Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, that's something Walt was really good at. He would take a lot of things and little, right. you know, even, even animatronics came from finding a little bird thing uh, and yeah. a little store. And he thought, oh, hey, this is neat. Give it to Imagineers. Take this apart and right. see how it works. No, he, but there's no doubt he refined it. I take nothing mm-hmm. away from him. He's one of my most admired people. Yep, definitely. Well, certainly with a title like uh, 900 Years, it sounds like uh, this goes back uh, quite a bit. It goes <laughs> yeah. back. It actually starts in 1122, uh, although <clears throat> the first, when I, you know, people will argue that the Roman gladiators and the Colosseum, that was an amusement park. It really wasn't. That was more like a circus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But an amusement park, a permanent place, I'm saying, opened in 1133, August 24th, 1133. It was Bartholomew Fair, <clears throat> and it was in England. And it was the court gesture of King Henry I who convinced the king through – he lied – he basically lied <laughs> to the king and made up all this stuff <laughs> and said that St. Bartholomew had come to him and rescued him when this giant hawk had <laughs> plucked him out of uh, the dispensary on a re- religious retreat. And re- anyway, the king was very superstitious, <laughs> believed everything the court jester said. So, you know, they said, we're going to have a festival, honor St. Bartholomew. And it was a, originally a trade fair, but it quickly evolved. It ran for 700 years every wow. year in August, uh, except those years there was a plague. Uh, hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, it had rides, very primitive rides. You know, you would be on a swing and they would push you around in a circle. <laughs> uh, entertainment and food. And those basically are the ingredients that went into, um, still go into an amusement park. Huh. So probably something, started. something similar to what you'd see like at a Renaissance fair where they'd have a, a ride where exactly. they'd wind you up with ropes and then release it and let it spin you around exactly. until the rope ran out. <laughs> right. Or, or until you broke your neck. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure safety devices weren't a thing quite yet. No, no. Listen, into the last, our last century, they weren't a thing. <laughs> no, and ride at your own rides risk. evolved, and we got yeah. into the mechanical age, and the rides got sophisticated, and the customer more demanding. And, and the, the other thing that characterized the amusement park um is that it was a place that attracted everybody, nobility and peasants, mm. and they mingled. And the servants were, you know, kept separate from the, you know, the, the lords and ladies, so they could have a good time too, and they wouldn't feel beholden. It was a place to sort of throw off the social uh, constrictures of the day and, have, and be amused. And that yeah. also took on very sexual connotations as well. And that <laughs> happened in the hedges. <laughs> and in dark places, and uh, and you know after, and then even later, we you know we got into tunnels of love, and they certainly <laughs> yeah. were. And now we have grad night. Yeah, no, sorry. 
<laughs> My how things evolve. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that makes me even think is, you know, is there any particular like snack food that we can owe to amusement parks? Oh, absolutely. Like, well, it, it's also now, again, Amusement parks are not World's Fairs, but mm -hmm. they often took things from World's Fairs. Now, the 1893 Chicago World's Fair, its midway really brought, established the amusement park in America. Mm -hmm. um, Copenhagen already had Tivoli and Bakken. It had Bakken first. Um, and there was the Prater in Vienna, which had a fun zone. And World's Fairs had fun zones, but the one in Chicago really got things going. And it brought us the Ferris wheel, but it also brought us Cracker Jack, Yay. Uh, Aunt Jemima's pancakes. <laughs> wow. Milton Hershey saw a chocolate making process at the fair. He, he, up until then, he had been making caramels, and he switched to chocolate and, and made his first million. Oh, wow. So, yes, and the ice cream cone came from mm -hmm. the St. Louis World's Fair. Woohoo! Uh, there's some dispute as to where exactly the corn dog came from. Um, <laughs> cotton candy also came from the St. Louis World's Fair, believe it or not, invented wow. by a dentist. <laughs> huh. I guess he was making business for himself. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you have to understand, what, what I did in the book, uh, I, I started People Magazine's website. I was at People Magazine for 20 years. Wow. So I learned that, you know, if you, you want to get the reader involved, you don't write about machines so much. You don't write about real estate deals, you know, to get the land for the uh, amusement parks. You write about the personalities who created all these things. Yeah. And that's what this book is. It's a series of personality profiles. And a lot of these, mostly men, uh, larger-than-life characters, they weren't always so honest, <laughs> uh, but they were creative. Yeah. And uh, and that's what the book is about. <laughs> and Walt Disney being one of them. Certainly. Yeah. Perhaps the greatest. Definitely. Definitely. So so what is like the wildest ride that somebody came up with? In your oh, opinion, at least. Terrible <laughs> thing. I mean well, there was a loop de loop <laughs> roller coaster uh that they that they had a hard time perfecting <laughs> and that really broke necks. Mm. Ooh. And people, oh, or, or you know, if they didn't break, well, they break their, they fall out. Oh you know, my goodness! Same, roller coasters. Even when I was a kid, I'm older than you. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Uh, <laughs> well, it's in Neverland. We are not grown no, ups here, so. <laughs> uh, we had Pacific Ocean Park in Los Angeles, and the roller mm -hmm. coaster. Oh, you just held on if you, you know, and if you let go and you fell out, that was your tough luck. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Ooh. See, no, then that's... you know, it wasn't. I would say, starting in the seventies, the insurance companies said, "Wait a minute," and all these harnesses yeah. came in and whatnot. And uh, but listen, um, NBC News yesterday ran a story uh, on the um, this, on the Jersey Shore. There's a roller coaster being tested out, and they got test dummies in it, and they, the test dummies. We're flying out of the cars. Oh my! So you know this still goes on. Yeah, but at least now they do tests like that. So yeah, <laughs> we make sure. Yes, they say. Well, they did a test at the Chicago World's Fair, but unfortunately, they did it with workers. Because <laughs> there was a roller coaster there, and that first ride didn't go so well. Oh wow! 
And that was before anybody was signing a waiver, I'm sure, to say, oh, hey, just in case. (laughs) No. Do you have a will? (laughs) Right. And boy, now things have changed because I remember uh, here in Kansas City in 1995, uh, there was an accident on one of our roller coasters at Worlds of Fun, and it was it was just a mess. Uh, and I mean, that ride was shut down for a long time. And even here recently at a water park, uh, I guess it's been a couple of years now, we had what was supposed to be this world record uh, yeah. water slide. And we had an accident that killed a right. child. And I know. It's, it was shut down. Yeah, that's yeah. been shut no, down. I, yeah, it's no down. laughing matter. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're making light, but it, right. yeah. yeah. There's yeah, stuff that still go wrong. Parks, <laughs> at this point, those people would be dead anyway. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You know, it, it, it's amazing with, you know, with how old some of these are. You know, I, I remember riding uh, a Joseph Miller roller coaster growing mm-hmm. up. Um, and, you know, that thing is just it's amazing. It's still in operation today. And to think, you know, yeah. how, you know, no computers, just math. And, yes, yes. And yeah, uh, uh, Lagoon Park in uh, uh, in Utah. And yeah. oh, yes, it, yes, yes. Yeah, and it's just absolutely amazing how, you know, this, this, uh, I don't know, it's, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, I think it's close to 100 years old now. Wow. Yeah, just, just how yeah. much uh, uh, it's, it's still in action, how thrilling it still is. And uh, even though you do have to hold on, um, right. you know, it, yeah, it, but it's still. I'm sure they have safety belts now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, it's I mean, still amazing to see how far it's come. Today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Seat belts, shoulder Island harnesses. Cyclone, oh. Sorry. Mm. The Coney Island cycle was 1927, and wow. it, it was smoothed out a couple years ago. It was because otherwise you needed to see a chiropractor as soon as you got off the <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, but it's still spectacular, and it's a landmark, so mm-hmm. hopefully it's not going to go anywhere. And the Wonder Wheel in Coney oh. Island turns 100 next year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, no, I mean, we're coming up on these things. And, again, you know, the, the Coney Island, there was a fellow named George Tillyou. He, he was the Walt Disney behind it. His family had been there since the Civil War. Uh, but all they did was sort of rent towels and swimsuits so people could go swimming in the, in the ocean, which was a brand-new thing during the Civil War because people mm. were still afraid there were monsters <laughs> that would devour you. I yeah. mean, you know, we we were a very we too were a superstitious country, and yeah. you know, but but th- these were old world fears, but th- that made the, made their way into the new world. But uh, Tillyou and his father wanted to expand in Coney Island, it, it turned it into this resort. But they they faced a political boss who was so corrupt that he drove them out of town until finally the law went after the guy, the the political boss. And once he left, Tillyou started bring. He had amusements all over the place, but it wasn't until this daredevil sea captain came in and put a park in Coney Island, Sea Lion Park, in in the early 1890s that there was there was a it was the first amusement park to wrap a fence around itself and charge admission to get in, huh. and that's what got Coney Island going. Wow. And then Coney Island eventually became so successful, it had three separate mammoth amusement parks. It had essentially three Disneylands. Wow. Luna Park, Steeplechase Park, and Dreamland. Um, 
And it was so successful. And Coney Island was the number one resort in the world. It was the Disney World of its time. That the rest of the country built amusement parks. And many of them, even though they were landlocked locations, called themselves Coney Island. (laughs) They were built mostly by the trolley car companies. The railroad barons who had the Mm -hmm. money and wanted passengers to ride their trams. You know, trolleys are mostly used for men to go to work. Right. And at the end of the workday, the mogul, the real, uh, the railroad guys were still paying for electricity. So you know, let's get people riding them to the end of the line and on weekends. And that's where they built, they built the amusement parks. And they were terrific. And again, like in Bartholomew Fair, everybody came, bosses, employees, every, every level of social strata. Um, until Henry Ford introduced the Model T, suddenly people were getting their thrills from a machine on their own, just yeah. driving. So that took us to sort of the roaring 20s. And it, to top the thrill of a Model T, that gave us the golden age of the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. now we needed to go faster. <laughs> right. And higher and, yeah. you know, hair, hair pin tour turns. Which yeah, yeah. even so on, that, in wood so that, though that's then, jerky. Then the <laughs> depression happened. These these places fell into disrepair. Mm-hmm. They sort of limped along through World War II because military people on leave would bring their dates to their places. But by the late 40s, you really didn't want to go near an amusement park. They were not safe. They were not savory. They tended to be in urban areas which were starting to decay. And then in 1955, Walt Disney said, I, you know, I'm opening this amusement park. And everyone said, you're crazy. Why would you open such a filthy place? And he said, mine won't be. And that changed everything. Yeah. And then he, then everybody out with the amusement park suddenly decided, we need a theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> there had been themes. There, was a, there were Santa Claus lands and there <laughs> were some Wild West places. Those were the themes. But Disney really took it to a new level. And then, of course, corporations, Marriott tried getting into the amusement park. They all failed. None of them were. One, they weren't Walt Disney. Two, Walt Disney had a TV show. I was a kid who grew up with it. Every Sunday night, Walt Disney said, I'm opening this park in Southern California. You've got to come see it. With an hour-long commercial. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And the other companies, you know, their parks couldn't match Disneyland. Then became more sophisticated, and now, of course, there are corporate-owned amusement parks that do very well. Mm-hmm. And they're all over the world. I was in Dubai. I was in oh, yeah. Shanghai. I was wow. in – all this was research for the book. It was <laughs> That's a, fun research. A good book to write. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, one of the most surprising theme parks that I ever heard about – or amusement yeah. park, I guess, rather. Uh, the world of Sid and Marty Croft in Atlanta inside a hotel. I was there. No, yeah, I was there. I was the opening. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I rode, a, I rode the elevator with uh, Gilligan. <laughs> Bob Denver. <laughs> Bob Denver. The rides were really lame. Uh, first mm. of all, I was too old. You know, I was, it was 1970, so I, I was in my 20s. Um, and... Uh, it was, I, you know, I didn't know HS puffing stuff. So I, who was this to appeal to? It had like three rides, and it didn't last long at all. It was in, it was a sort of a shopping complex, hotel complex, office complex, 
It's now the CNN studios. Oh, wow. But I was there. <laughs> I drank their champagne. <laughs> I was a, a very young journalist in Los Angeles at the time, and they invited me, and I went to Atlanta. Sure. It's like, hey, you want to go to an amusement park? I was park? always okay. destined to write this book. <laughs> <laughs> I, hadn't th- I hadn't thought of the world. I had it in the book. Unfortunately, the book ran long, and I had to trim it. And mm. that's one of the things that fell to the editing floor. Oh, well, that just means you have it. material for a second book later. Well, <laughs> I wanted to do this in two volumes, to be perfectly honest. But fortunately, common sense prevailed. And uh, it's one, it's one <laughs> lush. It's, the publisher did a great job. They really did. I, I wish every author this experience. It's really been wonderful. So, <laughs> some books, this is my 13th book. Wow. Some have been easier than others, and this was just this was hard work. I'm not taking away from right. that, and but I had wonderful opportunities. I was the first journalist inside Shanghai Disneyland. Oh, cool! Um, it was, and the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Oh, they yeah, just the greatest ride in the world. Yes, Harry Potter. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you I guess when we've seen the footage of it's amazing. Like you do with Harry Potter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to wear 3D glasses like you do with Harry yeah. Potter. No, I'm not knocking Harry Potter. It's wonderful. But this is better. <laughs> Even if you and don't the, understand what they're saying half the time, you just the visuals from what matter. I've seen the video. It doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah, so you, you can figure it out. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll get my visa lined up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it says the guy who works for American Airlines can fly over there. The the admission is uh, the parks cheaper than Florida and California. Oh, yeah. 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 Hmm. You know, and I could be wrong, but I think uh, Tokyo, the Tokyo parks are also quite reasonable. Uh, I think maybe Hong Kong might be the only one that's. I was there. I was in Tokyo in September. Tokyo Disney Sea is probably the greatest amusement park in the world. Hmm. Yeah, and that's one I hadn't even heard of, except for like maybe about ten years yeah. ago. I was, was like, "Oh, Tokyo yeah. has a Disney park." So, well, especially when you consider Tokyo, how. Oh, I was just going to say when you. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Tokyo Disneyland is like Disneyland. I mean, mm-hmm. a couple of the rides are a little different. Um, there's a wonderful Winnie the Pooh ride, and Splash Mountain is a bit more elaborate, um, but the the second park, Tokyo Disney Sea, is unique and spectacular and they're adding on to it it's going to be even greater i oh yeah can't wait to go back well i was going to say it's kind of amazing to see the difference between tokyo disney sea and california adventure both of which were open reasonably close to each other yeah Yeah. so what began your love of you you must remember that the japanese parks are not owned by disney they only license Right. Yeah, Oriental right. Land so, Company. Yeah, so they were financed by very deep pockets. <laughs> but not what got Disney, you at... Not that Disney is lacking for money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what got you first interested in amusement parks? I think it's the fact that I worked... At, well, I grew up with Disneyland, and my first job was I sold ice cream when I was 18. It was my <laughs> summer college job. Right next to Sleeping Beauty's Castle. Oh, cool. And uh, I had written a book on the history of the Catskill Mountains. 
and all the art and literature and the hospitality industry up there and the various gangsters who hit out there. And the publisher said, you know, what do you want to do next? And it was the publisher who had approached me on the Catskills. I said, this is really isn't up my alley. I'm not a nature boy. I'm a city boy. I prefer London and Paris to trees. And um, so it turned out well, knock wood, the Catskills. And they said, you know, so what do you want to do? They they talked about the um, Adirondacks. And I looked at them and I said, no, trees. Ad- no. And they said, well, you know, what do you like? And I looked at them and said, I've always liked Disneyland. <laughs> so that's – I don't have an elaborate answer. That was it. I always liked them. But also – well, yeah, I could, as a journal, I'm a journalist. It's all I've ever done, been – uh, I was the chief entertainment writer of the New York Post. Wow. And I've written for every magazine and newspaper, practically in the English-speaking world. Um, and I thought, you know, this really hasn't been done. There were some academic books on amusement parks. Well, you really – they're dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not fun. They're not amusing. <laughs> and they're they're filled with statistics and theories. And, uh, you know, where's the history? Oh, and the other extreme – you know, I don't want to take anything away from the efforts of other people, but, you know, they're like scrapbook, memory books that non-professional writers have put together on various amusement parks. And they invariably begin, when I was eight years old, my grandfather took me to such and such a park. Well, that's nice, but I don't consider that a history lesson. I'm not interested in you as an eight-year-old or really your grandfather. I'm interested in the park and who built the park and who went to the park and who supported the park and what killed the park, you know, and what was going on in the country at the time. And I took that to the publisher and said, this is what I'm going to do. And they said, fine. Sounds like a good idea and to me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually it still interested. It wasn't as easy as all that, but let's just say it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, actually still interested to find out, like, in Kansas City, uh, yeah. it's like I grew up, there was always World of Fun there. But as I've gotten older, I've learned, and it's it's just down the road from where I live now. There's actually a, like a shopping center that's like a Target and a grocery store there now. But there used yeah. to be an amusement park there where they had a kind of a fake lake, and it was based around the fact that you could play on the lake, and they had some roller coasters and rides, and like, yeah, this I don't I don't know whatever happened these, to this park. These places were built. You you have to remember again, put things into historical context. When these trolley parks. Uh, were built. One, there were no cars. There were no movies. This was the entertainment people mm-hmm. went to. This, you know, they predated the movies. Mm. There, and that was, and it was a shared experience. You know, basically uh, the rides were made in Philadelphia or Coney Island and Im- import, you know, exported to these outposts throughout America. By 1910, there were 2,000 amusement parks in America. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, and that that was our entertainment. So, yeah, yeah I'm not surprised that the Target used to be. <laughs> <laughs> used to be an amusement park. The lake. <laughs> Is the lake still there? Uh, well, there's a little pond on the other side of the street that's pretty fun for some fishing. You know, it's a uh, mm-hmm. little oh. small, little bluegill. It's not worth keeping. But uh, my yeah. wife and I, you know, we we will sit out there at the side of this pond. And we've one time, if you get in there in the evening, you know, we saw a young beaver come through. We saw bats actually come down and grabbing uh 
drinks of water and eating mosquitoes. I mean, it's yeah. you know, if you like, you know, you're you're not the nature boy, but <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, it's yeah. it's kind of a nice place to just sit and visit. This I would be pond. inside Target. <laughs> actually here lately so would i i'd be saying where I, i've been promised you guys have mickey bars in this target but i never see them oh yeah <laughs> i've noticed walmart oh i shouldn't mention real <laughs> free plug these people a certain large real realtor or a retailer um is selling a lot of disney merchandise yeah mm-hmm. that's so the only way i can get a hold of stuff anymore yeah <laughs> You don't have to go. You don't have to go to the parks to have an amusement park experience at home. But uh, yeah, if you want to go to get a good amusement park experience, so you probably should go to the parks. <laughs> I I think I would rather be. Yeah, and and that's the thing, even because you know when I grew up, uh, and it was used to be owned by Lamar Hunt at Worlds of Fun. That was the end all be all for me, having never gone to a Disney park. Is yeah. you know Worlds of Fun, and it was based on Around the World in eighty days. It had good theming. You would go to different areas. Mm-hmm. And the music would be a part of that country and stuff like that. Uh, it's now owned by like Cedar Fair or Cedar Point, sure. and they're not treating it the same. But mm. I, you know, so I, I go to Walt Disney World and I come back. I go to Worlds of Fun. I'm like, wow, this park kind of stinks compared to a Disney Park. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem, and it's, it feels like this park kind of got shifted to the side because most of their money is in their you know Knott's Berry Farm parks on the coasts, and then you yeah. have this where. You know they are trying to expand. We now they're they're now open for Christmas, uh, and they have a winter fest, which mm, I haven't been to yet. Yeah. But yeah, you know, the the part something about the mentality at this park is just not the same. We even had uh, I guess it's been a week now. There was a massive fight with a bunch of teenagers broke out, and a bunch of kids got hauled out and are banned from the park. Yeah, it's yeah. like there's something missing in some of these other parks that like I wish you know wish these people who ran this park would visit a Disney park and say this is what it should be like. Now come back and fix it. <laughs> On the other hand, what does it cost to go to Worlds of Fun? Uh, you know I don't know. It's well, I know it doesn't cost me twenty know, bucks to park not anymore. Cheap, but you know <laughs> it can't be as expensive yeah. as a Disney park. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not as expensive. But it's still it. It used to be so much better, and I'm like, even for what it is, if they kept up the theming, it, yeah, it could be a much yeah. better park than it is. Well, it's it's a corporate mentality. I, you know, I'm uh, not here to knock them, but uh, it's a corporate mentality. I, I suspect there are more thrill rides than there used to be. Uh, well, let's see. We lost a couple of them. They have replaced some of them because we used to have the Orient Express, which was a looper when I was a kid. Uh, that one's no longer there, but instead we've got one called the Patriot, which is one of those ones that you kind of hang from the the track, right. which right. is fun. My wife won't get on it for the life of her, but I like it. Yeah. Uh, and we lost the Zambezi Zinger, which was one of this was an old roller coaster that you know had no seatbelts or anything. You did just hold on to the Zambezi Zinger. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, we had that forever <laughs> until they couldn't maintain it, so now they've replaced it with uh, a, this like super fast wooden roller coaster. That uh, oh my gosh, my wife wrote it once and she'll never get on it again because yeah. it is so fast. Yeah. I dug it. Right, we have one like that back here at uh, Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey. Yeah, I need to go to more Six Flags parks because I I kind of like them. I, I haven't been to one in a long time, but there's one Again, in St. Louis it, that was fun. Yeah, the emphasis is on uh, thrill rides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where well, Disney know, and Universal, that you know they're. Well, Universal certainly has thrill rides, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know also heavily themed, and yeah. the emphasis is there. 
Yeah, I think there's, it's possible Which to strike a, a good balance. Uh, you know, I live in New York City. I like to get law. I, I find reality boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll pay to escape it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Striking that perfect balance with Themic is, you know, having some story mixed with the thrills is like the ultimate park. If you can find exactly. a good balance. Well, and when you can find the theming, like walking into Pandora at Disney World or walking into uh, Diagon Alley in Universal, you know, Absolutely. all the better. Yeah, and even just with story elements, I mean, it doesn't have to be a super fast-moving ride to be thrilling. I would I mean, prefer it's not, as I get older. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Space Mountain creates the illusion of speed, you know? Yes. There's dramamine well, or a barf bag. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a good replacement for a chiropractor for me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it clears the sinuses, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, which I could actually use right now. I did laundry today. I went to a laundromat, and it's just I'm just all. Ooh. So if my voice sounds weird, it's because I'm still half clogged up from laundry detergent up my nose. I think. <laughs> You didn't swallow a detergent pod by any chance. Oh, no. I'm too old for that one. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> Sometimes I act like I've swallowed something weird, but... Uh... That's not to worry. <laughs> it's a strange well, age. Was there anything that you found through your research that just really stood out or just shocked you or surprised you? Yeah, uh... There was a dead body in a spook house in Long Beach, California that nobody knew about. Oh yeah, I think I think I'd heard about that. <laughs> yeah, he he had been sort of uh, overly embalmed in his time. He he was a fa I see. I got his full biography because I was curious. This guy was a jerk. He mm. would he would plan to rob a bank and you know arrange it with his posse. Only they showed up at the wrong bank. Oh no. <laughs> or, or they would blow up the bank and everything exploded except the vault uh, oh, so finally he, he was gunned down and uh, embalmed and uh, some con man showed up at the funeral parlor claimed to be a relative and said you know I want the I want you know give me my relative and he, he kidnapped the, the corpse and put it on display sent it around to carnivals and fairs charge money for it and somehow it got sold to this wax museum and then somehow it ended up at the pike in long beach and it was painted with fluorescent light and uh a tv show i think it was six million dollar man was shooting inside the ride and one of the crew backed into you know what they thought was a paper mache skeleton it was this guy you know but an arm fell off and they, they saw bone <laughs> Then they dropped his pants and said, oh, my God, it was a human body. Oh, my gosh. So that's how that was discovered. And he finally, So they finally brought his remains back to, I think it was Oklahoma, and buried him and then covered his uh, grave in cement. Mm. But that, that was a favorite story. <laughs> I'd always heard about it, and I wanted to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. So I hopefully have the factual version in the book. Wow, that, and, that, um, that beats hearing about people who uh, try to dump their uh, relatives' ashes somewhere in the haunted mansion. Well, I wish I yeah, want well, mine on the Matterhorn, but we can't <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean in Switzerland. 
<laughs> yeah, put an urn somewhere in that basketball court, do you? <laughs> no, just a few little ashes in the splashdown will suffice. <laughs> I have a friend anointed with this duty. She intends to carry it out. <laughs> If you're really careful, you might get away with it. Because I, I, it was even, yeah, I think, I sometime think this year. I talking about it on, <laughs> in public will <laughs> yeah. help speed things along. But, uh... It was even this year. I remember I reading a story where somebody yeah. had actually tried to sneak their friend's ashes into yeah. the Walt Disney World and was trying to right. spread it around there. And said, But this is what his fondest wish. And apparently, though, these were also a crowd of people. When I was watching this video, these are people who go and they... They'll sneak into rides that are closed mm, and film video. Smart. Apparently, this is a thing now on YouTube where people go, and that's why some of these people got suspected of stealing um, the the animatronic out of uh, uh, Cranium Command at the Wonders of Life Pavilion. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's people who will have been breaking into that one in the night or whatever, and you know they, but they wanted to go and spread the ashes of one of these people who snuck in. They wanted to, during the day, try to sneak into the place and drop the ashes, and somebody finally caught them at it. But like, what? I mean, yeah, I love parks, but yeah, there's, 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 there's stuff you probably shouldn't do. No. <laughs> no, there's behavior. Didn't yeah. their mothers teach them manners? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, and, someone and, will say and, they find you know, it. There, and there were, were terrible crimes and murders at these parks and, and prostitution. And, uh, uh, you know, it, there, there's a very dark side that I explore in the book as well. Ooh. It's, it's not all fun and games. Yeah, I'm sure Chicago has a lot of stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Al Capone got his start in Coney Island. Really? He a bouncer. Oh. Yeah, he was a bouncer in a bar there. Uh, and he got his nickname Scarface. He was 18. Uh, he got fresh with this woman, female customer, whose brother took out a knife, didn't like mm. the way he was talking to his sister. Mm. And uh, Al Capone moved on. <laughs> I don't know about the yeah. guy with the knife. Depends upon if Al had that baseball bat or not. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't mess with these guys. And, uh, you know, and during Prohibition, the amusement parks were sort of fronts for speakeasies mm. because, you know, under the guise of good, clean fun. Also, so many of them were at the pier, were at various piers that you would get on a launch and go out three miles and you could uh, drink and gamble. Wow. So they so, were you know, one so side of the street. The here's top. the penny arcade. So besides <laughs> the roller coasters in the 1920s, right. you had speakeasies. Mm, wow. So what did you happen to find out? Like what park had the most deaths on a, an attraction or a ride? <laughs> well, no, because not all you know records weren't always kept. But mm. there was a place in New Jersey that had a terrible record for uh, oh. accidents. The name is escaping me at this second. It's an it adventure park? Closed. Yeah, it's something like that. Uh, yeah, it's an adventure. You know, they, Take your life in your own hands. <laughs> yeah. Once somebody died on a ride, they sort of look into it. There, were, there was a certain roller coaster that was designed by Henry Traver uh, that uh, was in uh, Crystal Beach in Buffalo and Coney Island and Palisades 
in New no uh, Fort uh, George in New York Manhattan had its own amusement park the very northern tip and it had this it was called the Rough Rider uh, and the curves were just too dangerous mm-hmm. and yeah, that's a, a rough ride all right on the island and that sort of introduced the notion the laws weren't passed but the notion that there should be safety checks mm-hmm you know, one thing that's fun, though, about uh, like amusement parks and theme parks is if you stop and think about it, a lot of those classic rides are coming up with new and better ways to go around in circles. Yes, of course. Of <laughs> mm-hmm. course. No, it, yeah, better designs, mm-hmm. you know, smoother apparatus. But, yeah, there were even, yeah, they had scenic mountains. I always thought the Matterhorn was the first in Disneyland in 1959, was the first roller coaster inside a mountain. No, they had scenic railways, they called them. Mm-hmm. And they did learn to pick up speed. And the guy who invented the roller coaster in America, LaMarcus Thompson, whose first roller coaster went six miles an hour wow. at Coney Island in 1884. Um he he devised the the scenic railways, which you would go in tunnels, and he even hired uh, designers from Broadway shows to create these tableaus. Huh. And you would you know you'd slow down and see them, and special lights would go on them, and then you you know zip down a dark hill, and continue you know go on to another tableau. It was a real adventure. Wow! So no, no, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. <laughs> But, but, you know, we perfected it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, the Pirate of the Caribbean in Shanghai is an improvement over the spectacular 1968 uh, or 66 Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 68. 68, uh, 68 yeah. Late 60s. Well, we know... Uh... That was a game changer. I mean, that really was so spectacular. Yeah. And Walt Disney died just before. Mm-hmm. Well, we know we got they got that date wrong in Jurassic Park, talking about it opening in 1956. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm bad. I'm a wordsmith. I'm really bad with numbers, which is, <laughs> and it's get, not improving. I'm, I have a hard time negotiating the tip on a restaurant check. But um, <laughs> well, now there's an app for that. Yes. I know. There's an app for everything. Yep. There's not an app to remind me when the roller coaster came in. But I remember right. it was 1884. <laughs> Maybe there should be. That, that sticks. Yeah, technology yeah. definitely has been changing the game with uh, with theme parks and amusement parks. As now, there's sure. so much you can test the physics on a roller coaster. You could kind of right. build a computer recreation before you even start building a physical model of a roller right. coaster. An Imagineer uh, told me you know, that they had actual gauges with computers to test the drop in Tower of Terror. Oh, wow. wow. And it was, it, it was, he admitted it was slightly stronger than they intended it to be. And then executives came in and said, leave it stronger. <laughs> so, listen, but, but it passed, you know. People yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you're going faster than the speed of gravity when you go down. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. an amazing feeling. Mm-hmm. This is that's the one mm-hmm. where I wrote it. I made sure that seatbelt was on tight as I could stand it. <laughs> I always have to sit on the aisle, on the edge. I can't be in the middle. 
for that. I need to be in the front, preferably in the front row, <laughs> right where you sit down, so, I, so there's no one right next to me, hmm. just in case something comes up. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's why my wife, whenever I get her down there, she's bound and determined to not ride it because you know mm. going faster than gravity going down, you're going to come up out of that seat a little bit, and she she hates any ride like that. She does not want to feel anything coming out of her seat, and so I'm like, well, you know, if right. you strap yourself in right, that shouldn't happen because I I don't remember coming out of my seat at all, but I did feel my hair kind of leaving. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had a friend go with me to Cedar Point when I was researching that part of the book, and he's brave. He went on every ride, every roller coaster, and uh, finally he got off. I said, you you should see your hair. You really look like you stuck your finger in an electric socket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you go into an amusement park, don't worry about what your hair looks like. Just go for it. Or what you look like. Right. Right. I got news for you, though. When I was a kid... In the dark ages. <laughs> um, Disneyland, I mean, women wore hats and gloves, mm-hmm. and men wore suits and ties. Yeah. Which would be and really then, funny now, because now they want to take a picture at that moment when you're on a big yeah. drop, so your hair and everything right. is all flying, and that's when they snap right. that picture, so... Oh, and it's amazing that you've got groups now that go out and have these dapper days at Disneyland yeah. and Disney World. I they dress up it. like yeah. that. Yeah. What fun. Yeah. Yeah. Where do they yeah, even they, get the clothes? You know, I, I think some it, people make it. Some people make them. Some people yeah. go to vintage stores. Um, in fact, I know that the Disneyland Hotel, they uh, open up their convention center during these events and, and they have uh-huh. pop up stores uh, come and, you know, sell their vintage clothing or their uh, homemade clothing to, to people right. to buy at these events. So. Yeah. so now you'd have the photo of you going downhill holding your hat onto your head. <laughs> Well, I see some, you know, women with parasols and mm-hmm. yeah, lacy dresses. It's amazing how how detailed people get uh, with mm-hmm. these costumes and these. Uh, people you know. want a you know, fully immersed experience. Yeah, they yeah. do. And uh, dressing up is part of it. Yep. Which I'm sure when Star Wars Galaxy's Edge starts to open, we're going to see some wow. people dressing. <laughs> There's going to wow. be some immersion. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's all I can say. I can't wow. imagine what traffic is going to be like. Yeah. I and, I, you know, I ride the New York City subways at rush hour. So <laughs> I think this will be worse. <laughs> yeah, that can be a thrill ride in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. I have my own thrill rides every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill Cosby, I think, has told jokes on the New York subway. It's like, you can get a three-act show just riding the subway. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well... Well, it's about time I figure we should wrap this up. So I want to remind everybody, the book is called The Amusement Park, for short. <laughs> yes. 900 years of thrills and spills and the dreamers and schemers behind them. There you go. And when you go order it from Amazon, you have to make sure you type, oh, wait a minute, I didn't mention the Amazon. I, the, from that river somewhere. When yes, you order in, in the South river America. <laughs> dot com. Make sure you type in that full title. <laughs> no, no, you, no. The Silverman Amusement Park will do it. Okay. And may I suggest, I mean, of course, it's up to everyone. And please, yes, please buy my book. Uh, but I suggest the hardcover over the Kindle version because with Kindle, the, the illustrations, which are terrific, don't line up with the text. Mm-hmm. So you'll be reading about 
Tivoli in Copenhagen, but you'll be you might be looking at a picture from another part of the book. Ooh. So it's a beautiful hardcover and a, and according to the early reviews, a great read. Yeah. Plus, it's Excellent. always just nice to have a hardcover. I always like a good hardcover book. It's just comforting. Yeah. That might be my age though too. <laughs> well, may you have many more years, and may you spend them at amusement parks. Exactly. Which yeah, right. I I need to get Which out to some keeps you young. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's kind of a big theme around here. <laughs> yes, I've noticed. I just spent an hour talking to you. <laughs> and may I say, it was very amusing. And well, thank, thank you. you. No, and thanks thank so much you. For, <laughs> thanks so much for coming and telling us about the book. And I'm, I want to read this. This sounds fun. Anytime. And like I told you before we even started this, this is my first interview for the book. So Yay! Thank you for, for breaking the bottle of champagne against my head. <laughs> well, hopefully it didn't do much damage. Nah. <laughs> See, that's why you, we, you can't remember numbers so well, because we hit you with a champagne <laughs> bottle. Right. <laughs> I should have used that when I was going to school when I couldn't remember things in history class. Well, somebody hit me in the head and knocked all these dates right out of my head. With a champagne bottle. With a champagne yes. bottle. <laughs> I don't know how they got champagne into the school, ma'am. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it is school, so. Or sister would be even better. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, guys. Take good care, and thank you. And you as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to keeping the pixie dust alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello, everybody. This is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast. We love you. Neverland Podcast. We love you. Neverland Podcast. It's true. Neverland Podcast. We love you. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.